What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. Over the last few months, we have been lifting up the case of Jacob Harris, who was murdered by the Phoenix Police Department four years ago as he ran away from them. The murder of then 19-year-old Jacob is one of the most brutal and egregious cases of state terror I have ever encountered in almost 15 years of doing this work. Earlier this month, we joined the family of Jacob Harris to demand justice for Jacob as none of the cops have ever been held accountable. But Jacob and his family were not the only victims in this tragedy. Jacob's friends that were in the car with him not only witnessed the murder of their friend, three of them were then sent to prison for the crime committed by the Phoenix PD. Joining us to discuss are Shawana Chambers, the mother of Johnny Reed, a 14-year-old who was sentenced to 15 years in prison in connection to the murder of Jacob Harris by Phoenix police. Good morning, Shawana. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. We are also joined by Teresa Green, the mother of Jeremiah Triplett, another of the friends of Jacob Harris, who has been sentenced in connection to the murder. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning. Thank you both so much for joining us. And I want to just say before we even begin, right, take your time. We can stop to breathe. I know that these interviews... um, are reliving of the trauma, and I deeply appreciate you being here with us today. I always start these interviews with the humanity. These were young people, your babies. I want to know about who they are as people, right? Shawana, I want to start with you. Talk about Johnny. Um, Johnny, a loving, caring, um, the type of young boy who would see an older lady or older man at a grocery store and offer to help carry their groceries out to their car for them just as we're walking out or um, helping a friend at school that's being bullied, standing up for him. Um, He was a um, athlete in basketball and, you know, just in his early years of high school before he was snatched away by Phoenix police, he had scholarships to go to college. He was being scouted by several different colleges. Um, He was adored by all of his classmates, all of his teachers, friends, family. Um, He was the type of young boy who would go sit with my sick mother and um, tend to her while my dad worked. And um, while, you know, anything anyone needed, he would be there for you. Um, to lend a helping hand. Teresa, tell us about Jeremiah. Jeremiah was, Jeremiah never met a stranger. Everyone was his friend. No matter where we lived, he knew all the neighbors before I ever got a chance to meet them. Um, His teachers loved him. Uh, His classmates loved him. He just would, wore his heart on his sleeve, cared about everybody. Um, He was a great dad. He was a great son, a great brother, a great grandson. Um, My mother goes through chemo and he would check up on her. Every time he would see her, he would give her a hug. I think that's probably the hardest part with him being away. She's like, you know, she's 77 and she's like, I really miss my baby. Like he's the only one out of my grandkids that really checks up on me and, and cares about me. So 
<clears throat> yeah, Jeremiah was he's the heart of our family. How did you all learn about what had happened on that fateful day? Um, I know that the police had searched Jacob's father's home, uh, Roland Harris, before they ever went to tell them that that his son had been murdered. They engaged in all kinds of shenanigans um, on that day. How did you all learn about what ha- what was going on with your kids, Shawana? Um, actually, it was almost um, a week in um, to where. I looked for him to find the facility that he was in after he was taken by the Phoenix police department. Um, they went and threw bombs in my mother's apartment, um, and went in and did a raid, um, saying that they were looking for evidence, um, when they already had him in custody. Um, it took me about a week and a half, to find out where he was. I didn't know which facility in Phoenix. I didn't know who to call. No one called me. No one contacted me. Um, He had been um, beaten up by the police at the time that I did find him. Um, I did learn that he had been already charged overnight, which was days before I even found him, was charged as an adult. I never even knew that he had been being interrogated. Um, No one contacted me. So I really had to search high and low to find my child in the system. Um, When I did find him, he was already in an adult correctional facility in a max, in a max department or um, where all of the max adult criminals were being held. Um, when I finally spoke with him, he told me that he was in a cell for 23 hours a day and he was only let out to shower and to go back to his room. Um, I asked why no one contacted me. He had no clue as of being a 14 year old boy would he never even knew what was going on, why he was being arrested. Um, he basically just broke down to me saying that he had been throwing up because he had watched the police brutally kill his friend. Um, and when I finally did find him, no one was, um, he wasn't accounted for by anyone, which I was to believe that my child, who was a minor, 14 years old, that I should have been contacted immediately when he was taken into custody by the Phoenix Police Department. But I was not. I'm so sorry, Shawana. Um Teresa, how did you find out um, that Jeremiah Um, had been arrested? The day that they raided Shawana's mother's house, they raided my apartment as well because we lived in the same apartment complex, just a couple buildings apart. Um, So they raided them at the same time. I was not home. I was at physical therapy. And when I came home, my best friend, who also lived in the apartment complex, was walking her dog and saw that my doors were wide open. And she called me and she's like, Teresa, are you home? I'm like, no. Why? She said, somebody broke into your apartment. 
So I came in through the garage. She came in through the back door. We both are licensed weapon donors. So we rushed up in there and everything was turned upside down. I called the police immediately. Now, I lived in Glendale, but it wasn't the Glendale police that raided us. It was the Phoenix Police Department. And when the Glendale police came out, they told me that. They said, yeah, they had a warrant. They they came and... um raided your apartment and I'm like all they had to do was go to the office and ask for the key like they didn't have to bust in the doors they disabled my security cameras so I wouldn't know who did it um and then they they didn't even tell me that Jeremiah was arrested um they just said they gave me this list of crimes that he was supposed to have done and so I started doing some research and saw that he was arrested and he was in the in what they call the horseshoe and um it took him three days to contact me and when he finally was able to make a phone call and call me he was in tears as soon as i answered the phone he's just bawling and he's like mom they killed jacob that's when i found out about it and just to help my listeners understand um the reason why they were charged with Jacob's murder um it, the the law the law there's a law that if there's a right. crime being committed and someone dies in the execution of that crime then the people that are with them um are, are then charged with that murder. It's it's a horrific law um, utilized in many cases across the country for law enforcement to skirt responsibility in the murders of our people. Um, Shawana, Johnny got 15 years. Um, he got more prison time than he had been alive. How did that impact you? Um, it tore my family apart, actually. I'm so sorry. You don't um, have to apologize, sis, at all. It's where my family apart. Johnny has a younger brother that, you know, looks up to him. When we moved to Arizona, we moved here for a better life. Um, my mother passed away soon after they... Um, threw bombs in her house, busted out all of her windows. Um, after I relocated my mother, she passed away after that. She could not bear the things that they were saying that they were going to do to him. Her first grandson, who had always been there to take care of her, who had always, you know, her butter, you know, that was his nickname from her, you know, that he says that only she could call him. And soon after all of this, my mother passed away. And it kind of, it really did tear my family apart mentally. Um, also physically, I had, I wasn't able to do anything. I was really numb um, to a lot of things. Um, blaming myself for moving here to Arizona um, trying to keep his brother together because we never, you know, endured trauma in this nature. Um, and feeling like there was absolutely nothing I could do to protect him because I live in poverty. 
I don't have money to just go and say, you know what, this is not right. I'm going to go and get a lawyer for him and get him out of there. Um, there was, there, there's just a lot of heartache, um, that we're, we've endured and still trying to cope mentally, um, with the phone calls that he, uh, when he is able to reach out to us, I just recently had to contact the prison because he was restricted from video visits. They kept telling him that I wasn't on his visiting list, which before he even was sentenced, I kind of did all of that, paid the fees to visit him. They wouldn't give him phone calls. So he is really in there having a very, very hard time. I just want to lift up. I mean, the the UN, you know, calls solitary confinement torture, and we're talking about adults there. This is a child. Teresa, Jeremiah was sentenced to 30 years. He has a medical condition, yes? Yes, he um, has hydrocephalus, which is better known as water on the brain. He was diagnosed at five and a half months. So he's lived with it his whole entire life. He's had um, 11, 11 um, surgeries to where they either had to replace the pump in his brain or replace the catheter that drains the excess fluid from his brain. He just recently had one a month ago in the prison. And um, up until that point, the catheter would go into the lining of his stomach and um, to drain the fluid, excuse me. And now they've put it into the lining of his lung. And it's starting to cause him some complications. And um, he went to seek assistance because he was in a lot of pain and, and discomfort. And they told him that they wouldn't help him. He was fine to go back to his cell. He refused. So they put him in lockdown. And he's been in lockdown for over a month and it wasn't until just recently he was able to even call. He had to, like, appeal the tickets that they wrote up on him, and I had to make a couple of phone calls. Um, but he has his privileges, but he's still in lockdown. So <clears throat> they don't know when they're going to move him. And when you and I spoke the other day, you told me something disturbing that I actually had never heard of before because we were trying to figure out where the money on his books had gone. And you told me that every time he has to go to medical, they charge him? They charge this him. This is a practice yes, in this they prison? Charge him. Yes. Every time he goes to medical, if he, if the doctor tells him that he has to take um, psych meds, which he did when he first got there, um, he gets charged $20 a pill every time he goes. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous, and um, it's a tragedy, but the community is, is banding together. Uh, it's been four years um, with, with no movement. Um, how are you feeling now? Um, we got to do it kind of quickly because I have to wrap up, but I want to hear from each of you. Black Lives Matter grassroots is showing up. The Anti-Police Terror Project is showing up. Um, how are you feeling now in terms of a path forward, which includes a demand to immediately release your children? Um, Shawana. Um, I feel like um, I've, I've done this a lot in the last four years. 
I have been let down a lot in the last four years. There are mm-hmm. several people who do not want to um, continue on this case and continue to fight for these children because of the intimidation of the Phoenix Police Department and what could come mm-hmm. on to them. Um, so I've hit a lot of brick walls. Um, I do have faith now um, Then that um, I met you, Kat. I met Black Lives Matter of Phoenix. I met Black Lives Matter of California with assurance that we are going to free him. Uh, we are going to free them. Um, I'm sorry. Um, and I, I have hope. I have hope. And my faith is very strong that this is going to work out in our favor because right is right and wrong is wrong. And God always is the last, has the last say. So he is the real judge of all of this, even though the prosecutors, the um, public defenders and everybody band together to crucify these children. I truly believe in my heart that God will set them free very soon. And the people that are, um, liable for this crime will, um, the, the hands will change in justice. And I know that these cops will be held accountable for murdering Jacob Harris, not our children. Teresa, you said, I got like 20 seconds. Anything you want to say in final thoughts? Um, hopeful. I, um, like Shwana, I have very strong spiritual faith. Um, this has been um, eye-opening, having this kind of support. So um, I'm all for it. Let's do this. Yeah, and listen, we ain't never scared. So um, right. thank right. you so much for coming on the show. Team. That's right. Yes, Appreciate you, y'all. Talk to you soon. All right. That was Shawana Chambers, the mother of John and Rita, 14-year-old who was sentenced to 15 years in prison, and Teresa Green, the mother of Jeremiah Triplett, who was sentenced to 30 years in prison for a murder committed by the Phoenix Police Department. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>